a SAC production. And welcome to another episode of SAC Comedy Lab Presents. And this is our 25th anniversary uh, celebration of the Orlando Fringe Festival. Today we sat down with James Bredlinger. He is the producer of A Long Time Ago, 80s Strike Back. And that's in the Orange Venue. So we sat down and talked with James about his involvement with the arts community here in Orlando, Florida, and where his background has taken him from and to. And uh, he, he's been a been in the arts community for some years teaching and uh with his high school helping out others with costuming a lot of fun interesting stories about the progress of the fringe festival and his involvement uh but he talks about a long time ago 80 strike back and um if you haven't done so yet since you're listening now subscribe to our podcast on itunes or however you listen to your podcasts because we're going to be doing more interviews like this revolving around the Fringe Festival now, but we'll also be talking to local artists to talk about upcoming shows, uh, different events happening, and also some of the shows that we have here at SAC Comedy Lab. We'll have some show snippets and clips, and again, probably do some more programming that is uh, podcast for you. So uh, without further ado, here is James Brenlier. Enjoy. Awesome. All right, well, we can go ahead. He's got that going. So uh, right now, uh, I want to welcome James Brenlinger to the to our podcast. Thanks for coming in. Thanks a lot, Dale. Thanks for having me. He raced over here, uh, and it's hot outside, right? It is hot out. It's Orlando. It's May. <laughs> it's humid. It's, oh, we're going to have a rained. storm any second, in my guess. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't rained yet. Uh, so we are, we are launched this podcast at kind of a perfect time for for everything to kind of come together because it's the 25th anniversary of the Orlando Fringe Festival and right. coincides with our 25th anniversary here at SAC Comedy Lab. But what we wanted to do was really bring together a bunch of artists and talk about their experience with the Orlando Fringe from a personal journey since it's 25 years old um, to you know where they are now and what they kind of see in the future. And um, you have had a history with the Orlando Fringe, correct? Yes, 10 years. 10 years. Now, uh, um, 25 years ago, were you uh, in the arts? Were you, were you 25 years ago, I was graduating from high school. Okay. And I moved to Orlando in 1998. The first thing I did to make friends here was become a volunteer at the SAC Comedy Lab. I used to work the snack bar at the uh, Church Street location. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> so you knew that. I've been here for 15 years, okay. and I only knew about the Amelia before we moved over here. Gotcha. So I didn't know about the, you know, I heard of it, but I'd never been in that theater. When it moved to Amelia Street, I got the snack bar, and that was in my classroom for about 10 years. It was the biggest wooden snack bar you've ever you seen. You actually got the physical <laughs> snack bar? <laughs> we had to cut it in half to get out the door, but yeah, we got it. Wow. So, so where'd you move from? I'm from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? I moved down here for the heat. I just wanted to be warm. (laughs) (laughs) I see. I'm from Chicago, so it's kind of the same thing. Got to move down and really loved just the fact that you can, you know, enjoy the weather most of the year. Did you come? Did you have a theater background out there? I did. uh, I have an English degree. I did a little bit of theater in college when I got my first teaching job up there. They asked me to take a drama class. And after teaching that for one semester... I got my drama degree and uh, went into teaching theater full-time. It was definitely uh, kind of found a little later than some people do, but it's love of my life. Definitely in the right job for me. Same thing, I think, for me. I got yeah. bit, like, taking the classes at SAC, just enjoying seeing the shows, and then, oh, they got classes, and, oh, I can 
I'm, I'm starting to get older. I can only be silly in so many different settings. <laughs> but if I can do this, then I can be silly a lot more times and right. you know, be on stage and entertain people. So when you moved to Orlando, did you move to Orlando or just Florida in general? I moved to um, Castleberry, so just outside of Orlando. My mm-hmm. aunt and uncle have lived here my whole life, so I spent summers down here and I knew where I wanted to be as soon as I got the chance. So. Did you come down here for work to be in the arts? I came down here to work at Disney World, and I quit on the second day of Traditions. And, uh, I Have couldn't you been do back? It. <laughs> uh, no, no. I just knew it was going to ruin my Disney experience to know how it all worked. And, you know, it's a business. It's how it is. And it's seen behind I wasn't the realistic about that. You see behind the curtain. You know the magic <laughs> is different behind the curtain. And then uh, I went back to Pennsylvania. I wasn't sure what to do next. And Lake Howe High School called me on the phone. I left a resume. And they interviewed me over the phone and said if I could be here Monday morning, I could have a theater teaching job. So, How long ago was that? Uh, it was 19 years ago. So you've been with, the, with Lake Howe for 19 years, yeah. Wow, fantastic. Yep. And, and so what are, you, what are you doing at Lake Howe? Just to, so I'm the full-time theater teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, something special we have going on is um, they closed down most of the tech programs in the high schools in our area. We're in Seminole County. And there were these huge classrooms that were just left empty. And I got one of those from our principal, and we turned it into a costume shop. Uh, we lend costumes for free to all the local theater groups um, throughout the year, but especially during Fringe. My students run it like it's a small business, even though we don't charge any money. It's all free. But um, they're running it uh, every day after school. They're getting class credit for it and learning a lot about costuming and theater and making great connections with the theater community through it. That's awesome. It's almost like an apprenticeship to learn about you know behind the scenes with production and, and costuming and, Definitely. and how to make it. Because there's so many people that – have the misconception that you know well obviously when you're seeing theater you see what's up front but right. the behind the scenes <laughs> is almost thankless in some aspects you know so to to learn what happens behind the stages is, is, is huge yeah and it's been just a great way for myself uh, the fringe festival is what really got me connected with community theater in the first place mm-hmm. i mean it's the essence of theater community is that festival every year and uh, those connections i made have been helping my students get connected finding internships just getting those first auditions and um, finding crew roles all throughout local local theater. So that's mm-hmm. been great for us as well. Cool. Now, what was your uh, – when did you find out what Fringe was? <laughs> you know, because it's – you know, sometimes it's just on people's radar immediately because they're in the theater departments. Or I moved to town, and I didn't know about it for a long time until everybody here at SAC was kind of mentioning it. And did you see this? You, and I'm still like, no, I, I haven't caught up to it. But so when did you first realize what Fringe was doing? The first time I heard of Fringe, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 2000. I was going to direct the play Equus, and someone at the Fringe Festival was directing Equus on Ice. And it was, it was in the old Sack Theater on Amelia Street, so whatever year that was open. And uh, uh, it's horses on ice skates is what I assumed I was going to see. So I went to see it, <laughs> and it turned out it was an improvisational singing group. It was hilarious, but it had nothing to do with horses or Equus or Ice. So you were going <laughs> to do, first fringe you were gonna do something associated with Equus, and then you heard that it was somewhere at a yeah, thing called Fringe? Yeah, I thought for research purposes I would go to this Fringe Festival and see Equus on Ice, and um, it did not help me one bit with my Equus production. But that was, that was my uh, introduction to the Fringe. Where was it at that time? That was when it was all scattered over downtown. Um, so uh, this particular show was in the Sac Comedy Lab uh, on the, uh, when it was on Amelia. And uh, I saw another one at Have a Nice Day Cafe, and it was Star Wars related, but I honestly can't remember the title of the show. But it was a lot of fun. That was my first Fringe experience. Okay, so yeah, the, it's been moving around from different areas. Yeah, it's kind of settled in Lock Haven Park uh, for the last maybe eight, nine years. 
Um, they do have venues that are off campus, like uh, the venue on Virginia Drive. It's it's a club called the Venue. Um, the Parliament House Foot, Foot, uh, Footlight Theater is a venue. Uh, St. Mark's uh, Tavern is a, the- is a theater. So it's kind of expanding again. But the heart of it is at Lock Haven Park. Yeah, it's been there. That's how I was first introduced. Actually, Charlie just mentioned these. Like, oh, yeah, the Equus. That was, that was a SAC production as was well it? as uh, Toxic, uh, <laughs> toxic That's who it was. Toxic, it was Toxic, toxic Audio. audio. Yeah. So we love to give the credit to those guys. <laughs> like, hey, remember that? Hey, we, we found this place. That's the one. <laughs> That's John, John Valina's back over there. That, did you do the tech? Did you you? <laughs> wrote and directed it. so We'll yeah. have to talk later. John Valina's like, hey, wait a second. Wait a That's second. great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's bounced around from a few different places, and now it's found its home in, um, like I said, just the one other venue that's off of the Lock Haven, Shakespeare area. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, being 25 years, we're a little, uh, I keep saying this, spoiled, but we do appreciate it, from from other areas. Yeah. You know, because it was in just warehouses and such right. before. And, and now we're in this... I mean, you say state-of-the-art. They're beautiful theater rooms. Um, you've got a, a bunch of different um, areas to go into, and now it's been remodeled with, like, the new sidewalk. It's like a boardwalk area yeah. with all the food trucks and the beer area. That's uh, some of the best food in the area. I mean, I know it's just trucks, but that barbecue did you see, is amazing. Uh, there's there's two on either side, uh-huh. and it's and, it, and so that way you get the, the delicious aroma <laughs> on either end. But one of them, it's amazing what food trucks are doing now. It, it, like, it sets up, and you're like, they've got an... Uh, uh, like an oven. Uh-huh. It's like, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's like a brick oven. I've been having dinner over there every night. I mean, that's that's the plan for the next 12 days is uh, fringe food. When did you first um, actually change from knowing what a fringe <laughs> was and actually starting to be a part of a fringe show? I have a directing class. And uh, if you're a junior at Lake Howe High School, you can take my directing class. You have to do a 10-minute scene. I pick the five top directors, and they can direct their own one-act play senior year. And uh, in 2006, I had this super talented student, Kyle Beach, and he wanted to direct Tape by Stephen Belber. It is, there's a Uma Thurman movie based on the play, but uh, totally inappropriate for high school. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to tell you why. Look it up. It's a great show, but it was just grossly inappropriate for school. And he's you know so dedicated to this material, had the actors ready. They, they just want to do it. And I said, there's no way you're doing it at our school if – if you can find some other viable venue off campus to do it, we'll look into it. And the next day he came in with a fringe application. So I took that to our principal and she said, well, you can't use the name Lake Howe High School, but if you guys can fund this and you want to do it, go for it. So the first time was actually as a student project. It was a student project. And since then they've all been either student projects or graduate projects, except for the year that uh, I partnered with Beth Marshall on a show. But other than that, it's all been my alumni or my current students doing our shows. Were you one of the first people to ever encourage? Was, was were students from your school ever doing anything in Fringe? I don't know that any of my students before that had done it. Now, uh, not just because of our program doing it, but because how how much Fringe has expanded, how they've uh, reached out to high schools. There are tons of high school students working in all kinds of Fringe shows. I probably have students in five or six shows this year, um, totally independent of me. It has nothing to do with um, me encouraging them, but... It's just so much, so many doors have opened for high school students to get involved. And once festival. one person does it and they tell somebody else and they're exposed by watching it, then it's like, well, geez, that anybody can fringe kind of thing catches on. It's like, oh, I have an idea. Yeah. That's all you need. And for us, I mean, I realize this, all this started in like storefronts and stuff downtown. But now it's at the Shakespeare Center. It's at the Repertory Theater. I, I wouldn't be performing in any of those locations as a high school teacher, most likely. And now my students, you know, once a year, they're in some of the biggest stages in Orlando doing these amazing uh, 
performances with amazing people coming to see them. So it's really been expansive for us. It's it's been expanding in, in itself because they have visual fringe, you yes. know, for for the artists that want to do canvas or sculptures. I, I went to the I went last night. It was the first time to go there. Me and my girlfriend popped in there just to get our butt and kind of do the syllabus day where you look at your program, start talking right. to people, marking stuff off, and looking at what to do. And we went to where the visual fringe area was, and we saw a few things that we saw at the nude nights show which i was like oh okay so they're bringing so they've got that they've got uh kids fringe yep um it's just a growing opportunity for and anybody tens of thousands of people are going to kids fringe every year i mean that's grown by leaps and bounds i'm really proud of visual fringe uh the guy who runs it vadim malkin is the art teacher at our school one of our two amazing art teachers and um so my students have gotten involved helping set it up they've gotten involved running tables at visual fringe so that's another way students have gotten involved yeah, it's there's there's cool a lot us. of different ways to get involved with French from the volunteers that help out, um, from the techs that are working in each each theater building. I mean, those those people are amazing yes. as well. Um, they really deserve a lot of credit because it's such a intense timetable, which is a great lesson, I'm sure, do you, um, <laughs> to give students of like, you've got this set time. If you want to get a production going and the curtain calls, the electricity, the, everything blacks out, you've got to do that. Have you, being that you've been doing it with your students and helping them out with this, what, what kind of curriculum have you kind of learned? Did you start saying, here's the things you will learn? Well, one of the things that helps students with this stuff is uh, thespian competitions. That's the High School Honor Society for Theater. Um, they're used to doing shows where you have to load in do your show and load out while you're being adjudicated so they kind of have that part down coming in the door and that's an advantage high school students have at the fringe festival i think what they're seeing though is um so many times when we talk about careers in theater they're only seeing actors that's Mm -hmm. who they you know you go to the dr phillips center and you watch a show you're mainly seeing actors on stage at the fringe they're working side by side with sound text lighting text costume people uh, front of house people and so on and they're seeing these are adults who are working in the career that they themselves would love to work in someday and they're seeing how that works like how it can be a sideline or it can be a full-time job for somebody and uh, just i think it's a really um a lesson i couldn't give them in the classroom just by telling them about it they are seeing like these are adults doing really cool things in theater right now um so you started off with getting the directors and the, and the kids <laughs> and getting into there have you been performing yourself or are you mostly behind i try not to perform and i i, try I have, to perform, I have never sometimes <laughs> i just find myself doing it there are times when i've been in shows because someone asked me to i did laramie project a couple years ago just as a, a one night thing um mm-hmm. for myself i prefer being in the production side of it uh making just a sure. preference or yeah. you i like to have that kind of helpful control or helpful control is such a nice way to say what i do yes <laughs> yes that's exactly it I like being behind the scenes, making sure everybody has what they need to do their job. Facilitate and let them go do it. Yes. <laughs> um, but over the years, uh, we've had students direct. I partnered with Carbon Productions. That's Jeremy Sagers. We did a show called Mysterious Skin. Uh, I was extremely proud of that. That was uh, had never been done in the state of Florida before. Um, and then Beth Marshall, who used to run the Fringe Festival, is a good friend of mine. We became friends because of the Fringe Festival. And uh, she and I produced Hoodies, which is a Trayvon Martin-related show last year for the Fringe. Okay. So we've gotten to do some social justice work. We've gotten to bring some new shows that nobody around here has uh, performed before. And uh, the one I'm doing this year is called A Long Time Ago, The 80s Strike Back. Yes. And a former Lake House student named Simon McDonald wrote it. Uh-huh. Uh, if I'm correct about the mythology of this, I think that he and his friends either – at Denny's 
or at the coffee shop where they worked and places like that were just making up new lyrics for 80 songs that were Star Wars themed and it slowly turned into an actual show. Um, I had heard that they had done it at Fringe. Boy, I bet it's 13 or 14 years ago I was going to say, I've heard point. the name before. I haven't seen it, but I, I've known Simon for some years and it's been around, so it, has it changed? Yes. Okay. Um, he's, that show you saw at Have a Nice Day Cafe was the show. I'm ridiculous. I'm the producer of the show, and he's exactly right. I thought you were joking. No, no, you're exactly right. <laughs> sneaky, but yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right. So they did it, have a nice day cafe back when all this was downtown, probably the early 2000s. And, yeah, uh, this was uh, have a nice day cafe when I moved into town was still down the road, and it's been closed up for probably 10 years. So, I mean, yeah, geez. So that was the have a nice day when I saw it. the one that I can't remember the title of, though, was a one man Shakespeare thing, which may have, I'm sorry, a one man Star Wars thing, yeah. which may have been entitled one, one man, man Star Wars. Wars. That was at SAC, OK, was tech, was gotcha. With John OK, I did not actually forget the name of my own show. That is not what I, <laughs> that is not my story that I was trying to tell. But uh, I did see it back then. Um, some of the kids who had been in that had grown up and were talking about what's your next fringe going to be and i said I, I don't have one picked out yet and they said you really should talk to simon about about this piece so first we did it at my high school uh we just did it as one of our shows at the school kids absolutely loved it he rewrote it uh we had to shorten it to take it to the fringe festival it was full length he brought it down to an hour and uh we did it a few years ago and because of force awakens coming out he and i were just talking one night and said we should really bring that show back i think it's time so he is uh if you come to see the show you'll see there's now force awakens references in there i was gonna say some of the biggest laughs the the 80s uh references and the star wars kind of references in there has it had to change because of the new movies and in fact not just because of the new movies but simon and he's an improviser like the rest of you i guess he um if he comes up with a new idea he is perfectly willing to say let's set all this aside so for instance the concept of this piece is that the stars of the 80s have been recast in Star Wars and are putting it on. So you have uh, Michael Jackson playing a stormtrooper, and you have Prince playing Lando Calrissian. You have Madonna playing C-3PO and so on. He's changed who those celebrities are over the years. So their look has changed. More their pop jokes culture. Have changed. Yep. Yeah. Just kind of whatever well, whatever his interest was at the time. Well, Simon is definitely a guy that when he uh, he can he can get bored with something, <laughs> but he's also so very intense with his Legos and other things. He uh, he likes to change things up and take a new game and combine it with an old game yes. and flip it around. And, well, let's try this. Um, I, I think he just loves challenging himself in that way and and. Kind of updating himself, rebooting himself. When I directed the show at my school, before we brought it to the Fringe, he wanted to help me with some blocking notes, and he did every single, not just every single scene, every moment, he set up Legos on a Lego board and <laughs> photographed it, and he did a storyboard of the entire show done in Lego for me to help me direct the show. See, that's a show in itself. <laughs> that's a Lego storyboarding. So actually, you? it's beautiful artwork as well, because he put, you know, what the line being stated is at the bottom of every screen cap, and really nice work. And, of course, he works at Legoland today, so it yeah. all comes together. That's awesome. Um, so with uh, producing, what, what involvement are you, like, how, 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 how much, how hands-on are you? I usually start a year in advance. So just for example, um, next year we want to, I wrote a show called Anne Frank Superstar, uh, which I did at the Fringe five years ago. I'm rewriting it right now. It's um, the story of Anne Frank told with the music of Karen Carpenter, Mm -hmm. which might sound like it's going to be a funny show. We call it an unfunny parody. Um, It just brings some new things to light about, you know, real teenage girl living in a 
abnormal situation hiding in an attic in Amsterdam or whatever and um, using those songs really it really heightens emotion. So right now I'm doing a rewrite. I've hired a director for next year. Um, we're going to start putting a cast together. I've talked to a couple people about that. So a year out, we're working on it. My students will work on the set and the costumes and so on during the school year. The lottery is in November. It might sound like I'm getting ahead of myself telling you what I'm going to do next year. If for some reason we don't make it through the fringe lottery, we will produce the show in another way uh, this time next year. But for about a year, we'll be working on it. As a producer, I'm hiring everybody, paying everybody, and making sure they all have what they need to do their job. Yeah, that, on. that's one thing that people got to consider. Um, there's other fringes that have uh, different rules, uh, <laughs> different guidelines, and, and in Orlando, it's a lottery. Yeah. So you can have – we have some people that just have an idea, they get into the lottery, then they have to write it. You yep. know, there's <laughs> others like yourself that I've got this idea, I can present it, and hopefully lottery, get in, do it. Otherwise – you're like you're ahead of the game. Like I said, right. you've you've got a production ready to go. It's going to go somewhere. You know, are, is Fringe lucky enough to get? I, it? I hope it will be at the Fringe. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that sounds awesome. Um, what other fringes have you been to besides Orlando? I have never been to another active Fringe. Uh, two summers ago, I went to the Edinburgh. Uh, Fringe Festival the week before they opened. I got to see some preview shows and Mm -hmm. got to see their venues. Um, Barry Church, (laughs) I'm going to mess up his name. (laughs) I apologize. The the venue captain um, there, Barry, uh, invited me to just kind of tour around with him a little bit while he was doing his job. So I've seen what the Edinburgh Fringe looks like setting up. How long ago was that? That was two years ago. Two years ago. I would love to take a show there. That is about ten times or more the size of the Orlando Fringe. I right? think that's the estimate most people have been giving us. It's like It's, it's ten times. It's a full month. It's you know <laughs> hundreds of uh, different shows, or thousands, I guess, uh, comparative to what we have here in Orlando. But... Um, yeah, Edinburgh's it's outstanding. I mean, it's really, really inspirational. I haven't been to any of the Canadian ones, and that's kind of where it's at. If you're going to do the fringe circuit, you got to hit all the Canadian ones. I hear we've got so a lot of Canadians out. We this do, time. and the the performers that come down from that uh, from that circuit are some of the best we have. Um, I know John Patterson does that. John Bennett does that. A lot of the one man shows because they're easier to travel with are coming down from the Canadian circuit. Are there any hopes to take some other productions uh, through the states? I mean, I mean, close driving distance. I know it, it takes a lot more if you're doing production value to travel to another city. If you're a one-man show, uh, like Chase Paget with his six guitars, he travels with six guitars. He can do a show exactly. And the shows that I'm doing, I'm you know, I have between twenty and thirty people working on each show, Jeez. and it just for me wouldn't be financially viable. <laughs> Honestly, I want my summer free anyway, so I would be more likely to go and. Um, produce a one-man show for somebody else a one-person show because it could be a woman and uh do something like that probably with my students i wouldn't i wouldn't go on the circuit mm-hmm. well yeah it, it takes a lot i mean you're, then you're talking about you know trucks moving vans yeah that's a lot of a lot of money even though the money goes back to the artists and all those it's still it's it's risky it's it uh you know anything can happen the people who do that circuit though really i think have it down to a science i just kind of watch with those you can see them walking around with their backpacks with the they have, like, a sign for their show mm-hmm. sticking up over the top. I mean, you can see the ones who are making a life out of this. Yeah, have you ever cool. seen people at theme parks that are doing tours and they have a flag? That's kind of the same thing, but these <laughs> exactly. people have their sign. They're walking yep. around with their backpack the entire, the entire time. Um, what kind of what, – what, what's the show schedule like that we have? Um, I have you guys – let's see. Which, which venue are you in? Is we're it in the, the Orange? We're in the Orange venue at the Shakespeare Center. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite venue there. It is a huge thrust stage. I think it seats 350 people. Um, we're tonight, we're opening tonight at 8 p.m. This is uh, 
Friday, May 20th. We have shows on Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then um, every day next weekend as well. Yeah, I've got Sunday the 22nd at 1245. I've got Tuesday the 24th at 530. Thursday the 26th at 730. Friday the 27th at 615. Saturday, May 28th at 545. And then Sunday... 29th at 3.30 p.m. Is that right? Exactly, yep. And you can get your tickets on orlandofringe.org. And what's the time length uh, for? Uh, It's just under an hour. Just under an hour? Yep. Just enough to tell the original trilogy uh, very quickly. So the (laughs) entire trilogy? Yep. (laughs) Simon says the only trilogy, but yeah, the original. Four, five, and six. As Simon says. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's kid-friendly, right? Totally family-friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what other shows uh, are you looking forward to? Being that you've been in the arts community, you've got students that you've taught, they've moved on, people come back. This is kind of a, a reunion of sorts every year. Oh, and, and you make these friends. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I enjoy the fringe most of all for just going out to the lawn where all the food trucks are, where the memories and, happen and get lost. Yeah, and just you know, running into all the people that the rest of the year were too busy to sit down together. And uh, you know, last night I was sitting at a table with. Um, with Beth Marshall, with mm-hmm. Tiffany Wegley, who helps run the Teen Fringe. Um, George Wallace stopped by. I mean, there's just so many people during the year that were too busy to hang out, and uh, just spending a few minutes on that lawn is the best part for me. I'm doing a, kind of a partnership with a show called Dino World, since we're a kind of takeoff on Star Wars. They're doing a takeoff on Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. Um, so we're back-to-back tonight, actually. I'm excited we're going to watch each other's shows, but um, that's one I'm excited about. Probably my favorite thing every year is to see what Varieties brings. And this year they're bringing their uh, 10-year anniversary of Varieties Carnival. Uh-huh. Awesome in the Orange Venue. John Dodonna is bringing Phantasmagoria. If you haven't seen that, that's amazing. Uh, we met with him uh, last week. Did yeah. you? Victorian yeah. horror stories being uh, acted and danced. Those are beautiful. Um, there's that. What's the Hamilton? Uh, Simpleton. Simpleton with Donald Trump. With today. Oh, that looks beautiful. I'm there's excited about that one. a lot of excitement happening this year. Not just because – I mean, it's just every year, but it's just the st- – it starts – the stakes get higher and yep. higher. I, I really encourage people to buy your tickets early too because a lot of these, like by mid-festival, mid the rest of the run will sell out because yeah. once once those reviews hit the paper and – It's the openings that people are still trying – like I said, syllabus day. You figure out what's going on. Yep. You kind of just like, all right. I w-, that's what we did yesterday. I just kind of walked around, checked out all the vendors, went to the theater just to kind of see what kind of posters are up, right. how people are marketing, walk into the other area of the other little beer corner over there. <laughs> Uh, look at the visual fringe. You kind of just map everything out and talk to people. But um, you know, a producer over there, Charlie uh, Downs, he he does a ten pack. He bought the ten pack to just know, hey, I I, I know what I get the button. So there's different ways to go package wise. Right. But yeah, people slowly start hearing that buzz, and then they just start buying the tickets. So buy them, buy them early. Yep. They they sell out, especially for a show that's been around a couple of times. It's it's. It's that familiarity that comes back again that you, you right. definitely have to catch again. I really would encourage people also. I guess I listed a lot of my, you know, the local favorites, but um, some of those one-person shows that are traveling around the world, they they have those things honed. They are great shows. So John Bennett's doing two different shows this year. One of them is called How I Learned to Hug. I can't remember the name of the second one, but check out John Bennett shows. Those are amazing. Something's happening in downtown Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this at SACCOM 11 downtown, and, and we're right by a window. So if you heard fire trucks or ambulance, whatever that was. Um, do you, with the show, is there any, with your program, sponsors that you really, or people that support you that you definitely wanted to give some thanks out to? I know you yes. have 
this is this is the time to say hey, yeah so thank you. a year ago yesterday i know this because it's on my time hop i ate at a place called taco china for the first time mm-hmm. taco china is on mills avenue it is um kind of an asian mexican fusion i get the cod taco which has like just has like a chinese cabbage on it and then codfish and some kind of delicious sauce. Anyway, Taco China uh, has been my favorite place to eat for the past year. And I drive a really beautiful car, not to brag, but I, I drive this Eldorado. It's and, beautiful. Uh, it's like a gold? or a Yeah, it's a gold It's a gold Eldorado convertible. And I, I parked it outside Taco China one time, and someone took a picture of it, and the, the photo went viral. So uh, the next time I was in Taco China, they asked me about my car, and our stage manager – had another conversation with them. The next thing you know, they sponsored a whole show. So uh, definitely there's some Taco China call-outs secretly embedded into our script for the show uh, <laughs> to thank them for that and for all the delicious tacos that I've eaten the past year. It's an eye-catching car. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Taco Chino, who else? Taco Chino is our big one. Um, yeah. We have uh, lots of other theater groups that we partner with. One of them is Clandestine Arts. They're doing... Um, Triassic Park, which is yet another Jurassic Park Heard about uh, that. story. Heard about that briefly. Um, yeah. that's, they're both musicals. It's funny. There's Dino World and Jurassic Park. So you have to see both of them and see which one uh, wins, in your opinion. Um, so the two of those are people I work with every year. Um, and uh, like I said, because we do costume and prop lending for free, I think there's 25 different fringe shows that have Lake Hell costumes in them. So those are people that we're going to be checking out their shows as well. Okay. Wow. Uh, what kind of contact information would you like to give out if people are trying to find out more about your shows, up and coming, Lake Howe Theater? Um, well, do you have a social media? Or- yeah, so the first thing I'd recommend is that you go on Facebook and look up A Long Time Ago, The 80s Strike Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a great page. Uh, you're welcome to check out my page. I'm James Brendlinger, and that's B R E N D L I N G E R. I have a big Facebook presence. I would love to add you as my 4,999th friend. <laughs> and uh, before you, you can kind of go from there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to keep slowly deleting uh, inactive people. Um, but definitely, I, I would love to make some connections on Facebook through this and have people come out and see a great show. Fantastic. Well, I thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Dan. Thank you so much for helping us Thanks out with this one. Thanks for setting up, Charlie. Uh, so it's a long time ago. 80 Strike Back in the Orange Venue. Orange Venue. Get your tickets because it will sell out. Thank you so much, James. Thanks, Dale. Appreciate it. This has been a Sack Production. Like us on Facebook.com/slash Sack Comedy Lab. Follow at Sack Comedy Lab on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.